Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Wonder Park in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. I'm at site B right now. And just a heads up, um, may realize it by the outdated uh, intro music or outro music uh, once it comes. Uh, but just as a reference point, I guess, and an observation. Uh, and uh, all three episodes from this week will be recorded in Site B, uh, with today's being statistics for the recently opened animated film wonder park got a chance to see this thursday afternoon and uh let's uh let's just get right into it wonder park animated 2019 film um is <clears throat> if i can get a hold of it real right quick saw it march 14th on thursday clocked it at 77 minutes it's incredibly short and uh, moves very quickly for as a film. It's a 2019 film. My brief summary: an imaginary amusement park comes to life. So you don't see the trailers if you don't have a kid. Don't go to you know didn't go to see it. Effectively, what happens? Uh, we follow a young girl who, with the help of her mother, uh, the girl June with the help of her mother, uh, kind of creates this amusement park in, in their head. And, uh, you know, she has stuffed animals, and those are the greeters and people who work in the park, uh, including a monkey named Peanut, who creates all the rides. And, and the way he does this is by the stuffed monkey getting, uh, they, they put a marker on his hand, and then the mom whispers what, they want to make in the park. So, for example, uh, she could whisper, you know, how about a carousel, except instead of horses, it's fish, and when you press on their fin, they fly around the park. And then, you know, cut to monkey in the actual park, in their imagination, creating said thing. Okay, so I'd seen the trailers, I knew kind of what I was getting into, or I thought I did, and... I thought the premise was interesting. I don't know. It felt fun and, and enjoyable at the very least, if not, you know, socially or emotionally poignant. However, the actual film is is very, from a an emotional standpoint, very strikingly different from what I expected. And as a from a plot standpoint, uh, it's it's very. I, I felt it was incredibly on the nose uh, in, in the parallels it was drawing uh, between the park and real life. The park does not exist uh, in, in a traditional sense, but as I mentioned, it's an imaginary park that comes to life, so it does kind of have this Alice in Wonderland element to it of June finding herself in the amusement park and ultimately... Um, you know, 
being kind of lost in her own um, head. As she uses it to kind of come to terms with uh, just uh, the world around her, the reality of the situation. And in a sense, like, that's, I don't know, not a bad premise, I, I think. But what ends up happening is it feels very underdeveloped, very undercooked. Uh, it feels like a ripoff of Inside Out at some times. Um, very much a ripoff of a lot of uh, Studio Ghibli films as well. And it does it worse than all of those films. It, it, it approaches this topic and this subject in my opinion, uh, with a weak, weaker writing, um, with poor animation, uh, you know, with bad direction or even a lack thereof, as we will talk about. And yeah, I, I you know, it, it just kind of bored me most of the time. In fact, the parts of the movie that take place in reality, actual reality, uh, were some of my favorites of the film. And, and we can get more to that as we go along. Ended up giving this film a 24. Uh, if you're familiar with the rating system, anything below 50, bad. But the threshold between bad and awful, the arbitrary distinction that I make, is the 24-25 line. So 25 to 49 is bad, but not necessarily awful. And 24 and lower is real awful. Uh, and so this barely passes over that line. Uh, I think... With what it's doing, it does the best job it possibly can without ever becoming better than being awful, if that uh, makes any sense. Uh, last I looked, it had a Rotten Tomato score of 27, ballpark. And uh, moving on. So, <laughs> directors. Now, if you look on IMDb, uh, the film has none. No directors. If you look on Letterboxd, they give it the credit to three people, who I will now go through... Uh, David Feist, the second film of his I've seen, it, in, it decreases his average film rating to a 28. It's his only film rated between 0 and 24, and worst film overall, coming in behind Steve's First Bath, which I believe is a short film attached to the... Um, uh, it's uh, the... It's, it's uh, the Meatballs. What is it? Um... Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs franchise. <laughs> Jeez. That's what I was getting at. Um, yeah, he, he has a value of negative 3, a score of 11, and is ranked 2,923rd overall. Uh, additionally, it involved Claire Kilner and Robert Iscove, uh, who it is both their first film credits that I've seen. They have an average rating of 24. It's their only film, worst film. Uh, value of negative 2, score of 6, and a rank of 3,311. Uh, tied with a bunch of people, ahead and behind a bunch of people. So what really took place for Wonder Park is the original director, who was none of those three people, uh, fell under the uh, allegations of, of sexual misconduct, uh, domino effect that seems to be you know, bringing down everyone, uh, even in such insignificant films as Wonder Park, and with good reason. Not that I don't think he should have been brought down, I do. But, uh, as such, his directing credit was removed from the film. And, as far as I'm aware, the trio of names I gave you are the people who kind of stepped in and filled out the finishing 
the product uh, just to make it you know able to be released and I think that that ultimately you know hurts the film it, it, not that I wanted the original director to stay but just lacking a clear and concise vision for the film having a new person come in and adjust things think of uh, what Joss Whedon had to do for um, uh, for for Justice League or David Fletcher and Bohemian Rhapsody. Not that Zack Snyder was accused of sexual misconduct, just having somebody new step in. It, it does create this, this conflict and friction within your film, and especially in your final product where it doesn't work together. It doesn't it doesn't look like somebody had an idea of what this movie was supposed to be because parts of it are at odds with other parts of it. And I think Wonder Park suffers uh, perhaps an even worse fate uh, than those two films in terms of how polished it looks because I don't know that it's quite as, you know, it didn't require as heavily, uh, as heavy editing uh, necessarily as Bohemian Rhapsody did to kind of stitch everything together. It doesn't feel like it's two sides of the same story like Justice League does, but it feels aimless. And I think that's perhaps an even greater uh, sin <laughs> of the three, just because it, it doesn't, you know, you're, like like a roller coaster, a, a movie and a story has to have some amount of rising action to lead us to a, a, a peak where things take a dramatic turn, where things, you know, then start falling action. And, you know, if you've written anything or taken a grade level, grade school class that's dealt with writing, stuff like this, you learn that pretty early on. And Wonder Park really doesn't have any of that. <laughs> um, Wonder Park does, does such a poor job of that, uh, which is ironic because it has roller coasters in it. Um, okay, uh, so moving moving on, we have writers who actually did get credited uh, for this film. Let's see what we got here. Uh, Robert Gordon. This is the third film of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 55.67. It's his only film rated between 0 and 24. It's his worst film overall, coming in behind uh, Best of Enemies, which is a documentary which doesn't even seem right, honestly, but uh, apparently it is. Uh, he has a value of zero, a score of 33.4, and is ranked 1,118th overall, one spot behind uh, Jihad Hojili, uh, who is one of the writers on Capernaum, last year's Oscar nominee, one of the Oscar nominees for Best Foreign Film. And uh, Robert Gordon is just ahead of Damon Lindelof, who is a writer on World War Z, Star Trek Into Darkness. Additionally, uh, you have the, tr the duo of Andre Nemec and Josh Applebaum. This is the fourth film of theirs I've seen. They have an average film rating of 33.25, a, uh, a value, a film, uh, is their second film, Jeez, uh, rated between zero and 24. Third best film overall, coming in behind Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, colon, out of the shadows and ahead of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, both the live-action versions. Uh, they are also writers on Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which is quite good. 
They have a value of negative 4, a score of 18.17, and a rank of 4,553rd overall. One spot behind Andrew Fleming, who is a writer on The Craft, and Ideal Home, and Hamlet 2. Uh, they are just ahead of Jack Bernstein, who wrote Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Um, so those are the three writers on the film, and if the direction is bad uh, because it doesn't really exist, uh, the writing at least exists uh, on some level. They wrote this film so that the park sequence, which is probably 75-80% of the whole movie, is a pretty spot-on, uh, blunt, um, um, uh, what's the, the allegory, uh, a a analogy whatever you want to call it, for the real world, you know? Characters in the park uh, relate to the characters in the real world that June has uh, a relationship with, that she's struggling to overcome, that she's struggling to move through and, and understand as a young girl. And like an Inside Out, like, you know, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, and so on, these are not, this is not an original story, but it's a story that's been done a few times, and it's been done with care and with uh, quality, and there's definitely potential for something like Wonder Park to be a good movie, and, and even, you know, though it kind of beats you over the head with, this is what, you know, this relates to this in real life, this relates to this in real life, this is very obviously, you know, neon sign in your face kind of stuff, It, it, it does end up not feeling like a lot of care was put into it because from it, it's it's very obvious from the first point where we really get into the Wonder Park aesthetic and, and into that world that you know the film just takes its time to, you know takes takes a few minutes to beat you over the head with this is a you know an, an analogy for the real world which is fine uh, you know there have been less blatant and obvious uh, comparisons in film before but if it had stopped there and not felt the need to to do further damage in that sense fine okay you know yeah you, you know you're using a uh pretty pretty <laughs> blunt tool to do this precision thing but the fact of the matter is that wonder park isn't content with just that it 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 isn't simply okay we're gonna take a second we're gonna hammer it home that this is the real world just in an amusement park but what it does is it does that again and again and again and again and again and and it just it's so flagrantly over the top and and just overwhelming with how obvious it is that you you can't it doesn't give the the characters the story a chance to breathe and understand uh, just just what is happening and and like live in the experience of the world that has been created, it, it spends too much time saying, this isn't the world, this is, you know, an, an analogy for another world. Whereas, you know, you look at a movie like 
Alice in Wonderland animated live action whatever version you want and while you do get a lot of nods to okay this is a representation of something we saw from the real world there's far more of let's just live through this let's just experience this and let the 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 references be subtler and subtler and subtler and in some cases not actually existent wonder park isn't isn't concerned with that they don't care about that at all uh yeah not a not a chance uh so what about the voice acting all right a couple of big names in this uh and not all of them big names uh, not the biggest animated voice cast uh but I felt I felt there weren't enough to, to give us something to talk about here. First up is Matthew Broderick. Um, this is the 28th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 58.43. This is only film rated between 0 and 24 and worst film overall. Coming in behind Biloxi Blues. He has a value of 4.5, a score of 59.03, and is ranked 505th overall. One spot behind Michael Badalucco, and one spot ahead of Juliet Binoche. And Matthew Broderick, this is hardly the first time he has lent his voice to a movie. Uh, he played; he was a voice in the movie Good Boy, uh, The Tale of Despero, uh, B-Movie, and of course, most notably, The Lion King as adult Simba. Uh, and... I think he's great in The Lion King. Here, he plays the dad, uh, uh, June's dad, which isn't really a character that gets much to do. Um, he's kind of made fun of for most of the film and uh, sort of secondary to the mom character who has less lines than dad, maybe. Uh, possibly. Uh, so... It's a shame, you know, Matt Broderick, definitely a good voice actor in his own right, but, you know, just kind of, uh, used, you know, not, not given anything to do, just used in this movie. Next up is Kath Susie. This is the 12th film credit of hers I've seen. It drops her average film rating to a 51.25. It is her fourth film, rated between 0 and 24, ninth best movie overall, coming in behind her voice role in the Rugrats movie and ahead of her voice role in The Trumpet of the Swan. She has a value of negative 2.5, a score of 41.43, and is ranked 2,357th overall, one spot behind Eugene Lipinski and one spot ahead of Saeed Badrea. Uh, so big big gap um, between Broderick and Susie. And Kat Susie is, is mostly, um, she's pretty much just a voice actor that does a lot of small parts, uh, extras, in a sense. And uh, in this film, she plays the voice of bus counselor Shannon, uh, who we get very little from uh, at, in the film. So we're moving on. Next up is Ken Jeong. This is the 26th film credit of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to a 48.88. It is his sixth film, rated between 0 and 24, and 21st best film overall, coming in behind Couples Retreat and ahead of Ride Along 2. He has a value of negative 8, a score of 37.39, and is ranked 2,906th overall, one spot behind Nora Dunn, and one spot ahead of Zhang Ziyi. Ken Jeong 
is the voice of Cooper. Uh, so Cooper is Cooper and Gus are two uh, beavers. Um, it uh, they are, in my opinion, the least interesting characters in the park. You know, you've got Greta, who is like a, like a warthog, and Boomer, who is a bear. And of course, Peanut, the the monkey. Cooper and Gus are just a team of, of beavers who kind of work, uh, act as the construction crew. Funnily enough, and I just didn't really. Uh, I don't know. I never found any reason to really care about them. They don't have any particular special connection to June when she's in the park. They. Nothing really sticks out to them. I think I remember one of them has like crooked whiskers and the other doesn't. And other than that, you can't even tell them apart. And most people probably won't even notice that fine detail. So, yeah, not, not a fan. Uh, next up is Mila Kunis. This is her 20th film credit, dropping her average film range to like 42.35. It is her sixth film, rated between 0 and 24, and 15th best movie overall, coming in behind The Angriest Man in Brooklyn and ahead of After Sex. She has a value of negative 11, she has a score of 27.5, and is ranked 3,961st overall, one spot behind Lee Nicholas Harris, and one spot ahead of Lauren Graham. Mila Kunis plays Greta, the aforementioned warthog, uh, who is kind of the the heart of Wonder Park. Uh, she is one of the greeters. She is positioned as sort of the authority figure, the, the more mature and wizened uh, animal that, that resides in the park. And I think Mila Kunis does a good job. Um, she She's capable and a little short-tempered at times, but uh, I, I liked... The vo I like the voice performance, you know, I guess. Mila Kunis, doing her thing. Uh, next up is Jennifer Garner. This is the 21st film credit of hers. It drops her average film rating to a 42 even. It is her seventh film, rated between 0 and 24, and 15th best movie overall, coming in behind Daredevil and head of Peppermint. She has a value of negative 14.5, a score of 23.85, and is ranked 4,254th overall, one spot behind uh, David Boreanaz, and one spot ahead of Thomas Jane. Uh, for those keeping track at home, ranked being ranked 4,254th out of 4,912 pe people total on the acting spreadsheet. Jennifer Garner is the voice of the mom. Uh, outside of June, and I guess probably you could include Peanut in that, uh, she is the most important character in the movie. And she doesn't spend a lot of time in the movie uh, for reasons that you will see uh, if, if, you, if you ever watch it. But other than that, I mean, Jennifer Garner does make the most of, of the time she's given. I think far more than Matthew Broderick as the, one of the, as the parents. Uh, Jennifer Garner does add something to this role. She makes uh, June's mom feel, I don't know, very, very 
personal, very caring, very intimate of a person. And I really appreciated that level of, of sincerity. And I, I felt like her voice really carried through with that. And uh, it's important because it's a very, very uh, important part of the story for her to be this brilliant, loving, caring parent and you know, may seem easy to, to pull that off, but I, I think it's it's a little more difficult than than you would expect, especially just getting to use your voice. Uh, next up is Keenan Thompson. This is the 11th film credit of his. It drops his average film range to a 33.27. It is his fourth film rated between 0 and 24, and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind Fat Albert and ahead of the Master of Disguise. He has a value of negative 11.5, a score of 16.65, and is ranked 4,635th overall, one spot behind Stephanie Leonidas, and one spot ahead of Caitlin Olsen. Uh, Keenan Thompson plays the voice of Gus, the other beaver um, of the brothers. Uh, he and Ken Jeong, Gus and Cooper. Gus is equally as forgettable uh, which brings us to the last person and this is kind of the reason I wanted to include this movie in the statistics episode because the last person is John Oliver I like John Oliver in fact I this morning watched uh, his episode from last night um, last week tonight uh, John Oliver is going to be the voice of Zazu in the new Lion King movie so very excited for that. However, uh, John Oliver, some stats on John Oliver. This is the fifth film of his I've seen. Uh, it increases his average film rating to a 9.8. He has a, uh, he, it is his fifth film rated between 0 and 25 and best movie overall coming in ahead of his voice role in The Smurfs 2. He has a value of negative 10 and a score of negative 3 which ranks him 4,908 out of 4,912 people. He is one spot behind Ariana Grande, uh, who only has two roles from Zoolander 2 and an animated film called Underdogs. And he is one spot ahead of Sadie Sandler, who is in a bunch of her dad's movies, and, they're, and it's pretty much all the bad ones since they're all recent. Uh, the only people ranked lower than John Oliver and Sadie Sandler are Dan Patrick, another frequent Adam Sandler collaborator, Adam Sandler himself, uh, and at the very bottom, with seemingly no way anyone could ever catch him, and in fact probably no way for him to ever get out of the bottom himself, is Mel Blanc, uh, which is unfortunate because... He does such a great, he's such a great voice actor, and uh, simply is the matter of that he's been in a ton of crappy, crappy, crappy short films. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a shame. Anyway, John Oliver, super, super low on this list. Uh, he is the voice of Steve the Porcupine, uh, who, in my opinion, gets a lot of one-liners and jokes that really don't land. Uh, and I think if it weren't for the fact that it was John Oliver lending his voice, they probably wouldn't be even worth a chuckle. I think as John Oliver, he gets one or two of them, 
to go to come to be funny maybe more than that but uh, it's it's definitely a character played up for being incredibly silly outside of that uh people who didn't who who were voice roles in the film but didn't quite make the spreadsheet because they're not really prolific actors uh norbert leo butts who is the voice of peanut uh if you know who that is then congrats otherwise uh if i'm not mistaken he is the original uh voice uh, or performer with um uh the the musical wicked thought this was true but i just want to make sure i confirm it before we move on yes he plays the, he he played uh fiero in wicked in the original run uh he's also done a ton of other other roles on on in the theater he's primarily a theater actor and only recently um deciding to move into uh movies i guess and yeah i don't know I don't know what his deal is. Uh, other than that, uh, the voice of June is Brianna Densky, who I, I don't know. Uh, she's a young Nickelodeon commercial performer uh, and has done a Lifetime movie and has been in the TV series Momsters, none of which I am familiar with. So there's that. Moving on. Wonder Park is uh, an adventure movie. And it is currently the 829th adventure movie overall. It is an animated film. Uh, the 1,039th animated film overall. It is a comedy. The 2,520th comedy overall. And a fantasy film. The 698th fantasy film ranked overall. So, uh, yeah. Doesn't, uh, doesn't do much. Um, it is not a best film in any category. It does not... Uh, it might qualify. Let me see. Nope. Currently does not qualify for any Circle of Film Award categories either. Uh, films that had the same rating as Wonder Park in the past. Uh, the House with a Clock in Its Walls. Uh, the Leisure Seeker. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Aloha. The Sea of Trees. The Giver. The Cobbler. 21 Nover. Snow White and the Huntsman. House at the End of the Street, I Am Number 4, uh, Thickest Thieves, Case 39, The Happening, Mr. Woodcock, The Land Before Time, 13, John Tucker Must Die, Scooby-Doo 2, Taxi, Bad Boys 2, uh, The Hole, Trumpet of the Swan, Bicentennial Man, A Night at the Roxbury, Contact, The Amazing Panda Adventure, Highlander, Dr. Doolittle, so on and so on and so on. Lots of things. Lots of things. Uh, in fact, approximately uh, 69. This is the 69th film to be to receive a rating of 24. And that's uh, it's gonna be it, you know. Um, Wonder Park is not a movie I think deserves to be seen. Uh, I'm pretty pretty down on it. I think it has a lot of problems in the production and, and 
creation of the film, and I think that lends itself to being very unwatchable in its own right. So, um, yeah, no big big thumbs down. Uh, and in fact, you know, I've seen people who who really enjoyed the film. I think people mostly cite enjoying the film because they're able to connect with it and uh, connect to the situation that June is in and and I I totally ex- uh you know I respect that completely I think um for that res- regard there's definitely merit to what this film does but I do think that there are other films out there that do that better and are far more worth your time and or money so Wonder Park yeah no nah, no thanks uh that's it uh thanks for listening to today's episode, I uh, appreciate it. If you would like to follow me, you can do so on Twitter at Circle of Film, uh, Letterboxed at Circle of Film, or uh, you can also send me an email, g- circlefilm at gmail.com, about anything and everything, uh, including, uh, most especially, if you happen to have a top movie list featuring a hundred or more movies in it, I'd love to see that. If you would like to support the show, you can do that on iTunes by rating, reviewing, subscribing, and that, that all that fun stuff. Uh, if you would like to be a little more generous, you can head over to patreon.com slash circle of film and subscribe for as little as eight cents an episode uh, to support the show. And uh, if you'd like to find more episodes, you can head over to the aforementioned iTunes as well as most places where podcasts can be found. Uh, including the website circleoffilm.com, which features all the episodes in addition to some reviews, some top 10 lists uh, that you know I've done episodes on, Circle of Film Awards. Uh, you can just kind of find the breakdowns and things like that, uh, and much more. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot, and as always, have a week.